coming, I'd like to alert you. There's someone with us this morning that we haven't seen in a while. Darlene, I don't think I see you. Yeah, there you are. Raise your hand, Darlene, so we can see you. Darlene's with us for the first time in a long time. And we're so glad you're with us, Darlene. We've been praying for you and Jimmy. Thank you. Okay, you want to make our pastor welcome this morning? I want you to stand. Come on, stand up. And give him a hand. That's right. Honor him. Praise the Lord. I'm trying this one out today. dedicate that to the Lord. How about that? <laughs> oh, man. Good morning, everyone. It's nice to be in the house of the Lord. Um, what a great week, second Sunday in uh, 2020. And um, as you can t uh, tell, Pastor Lynn's not here. He is in Washington State. Um, if you didn't know, he traveled from Georgia on Tuesday all the way to Washington, moving his son and their family in a big U-Haul, traveling the roads all the way up there. They made a few stops along the way and got up there. So it was like they left on Tuesday. They got there Friday night. Wow. And so uh, yesterday they started unpacking. I'm not sure if they finished or not, but uh, say a pastor. <laughs> That's a lot of traveling. I like personally driving. Uh, I don't mind it. But about my limit is about 10 to 12 hours. <laughs> After that, I'm done. Like, multiple day trips don't even put me on that at all. Um, but uh, we're so thankful for Pastor, and uh, we don't like it when he's not here, but um, thank you for praying for his family. I did want to, uh, before I get into the message this morning, I always like to take a minute and talk about our youth, because I'm so proud of them. Um, this last year, we, uh, especially when it comes to Speed the Light and giving, uh, we, uh, we had a goal of $9,000. Um, that would have been more than we've ever raised here from the church. And uh, so we, we took a step, a leap of faith with that. And our because of our students' hard work, and uh, I want to boast on this because I'm going to include y'all. Obviously, this would never have been possible without the faithfulness of this congregation and just getting behind the vision and the dream. But they were able to raise over $9,700 for Speed the Light in this last year. So, and as a district, we raised over $650,000 for Speed the Light, uh, pushing for that million dollars from our district. We were second in the nation, I believe, this last year. So um, as a state. This year, we had a Speed the Light banquet on last Thursday. And um, our students got together, and they were talking it over. and. They came to me with a number, and I kind of looked at them funny <laughs> because I like to be a little more comfortable But because uh, I've never raised this much money. But I told them, I said, look, if, you, if, if we're going to put down this number, you're going to work hard, and you're going to trust God, and you're going to pray about this, and it's not going to be a number we write down. We're actually going to go for this. Yeah. They're like, okay, let's do it. And so we set a pledge this year for $16,000 and believing that God is going to uh, raise that. And um, to go towards, you know, because when we, when we hear about the call, when we hear about what it goes towards, um, one of our missionaries from Ecuador, uh, Joel Marbot, came and spoke to us, and he talked about the Hope House in Ecuador. And he talked about um, how there's these brothels for these ladies and uh, the sex trafficking that goes on there uh, for girls mostly around the age of 10 to 12, around that age, even younger. Uh, most, most girls are pregnant by the age of 12 or 14. 
Um, and they, from their church, have started this home where they take in, take in girls. And it's like, they literally have to ask, is there anything we can do to get one more girl here? You know, can, can we stack beds together? Can we uh, squeeze it in this way? Can we do this? You know, how, do we, how can we just get more? And, and that's, that's the question. Because God is providing through Speed of Light and different means um, the finances a lot of times for these projects. And it's because of Speed of the Light that they are able to, to reach this community and change the culture there. Um, and so we, uh, there's other organizations that Speed the Light helps, like Free International. Um, they uh, drill water wells in Africa. Uh, of course, they provide uh, vehicles for our missionaries and sound equipment. And um, the things they need, sometimes it's tablets or iPads uh, that have the Bible and, and the language uh, of wherever they are. And just so cool what Speed the Light is doing. So the reason why we have such big dreams and the reason why we push this so much is because there's such a great need. And we see what we're doing around the world. And so, you know, we're not going to be shy about pushing and, and giving and giving uh, selflessly towards these organizations because we see what God does through them. Amen. All right. Well, this morning, I wanted to uh, try to answer this question, the question of why. And um, especially when it comes to circumstances in our life that cause us to maybe lose our trust in God or diminish our faith. I want to start off by reading Matthew chapter 7. Uh, I'm going to be in several places this morning. I'm usually, I usually try to stick to one passage, but this morning it's going to be a few different passages, so if you'd like to keep up with me, you can. Um, it'll be on the screen as well. Uh, Matthew chapter 7, verse 7 says this, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be open. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those that ask him? So in everything, do to others as you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. Let's pray over the word this morning. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to come into your house. As a church body, as a family, God, to worship you. Lord, what a privilege it is to worship you with our hearts and worship together. To, to, um, to know about the holiness and majesty of who you are. The love you have for us. God, I pray that your word would speak to us this morning. Let it speak truth. And let us be changed by it. And God, if there's anybody here, our prayer that doesn't know you, our prayer, God, is they will come to know you today. Let them make the very best decision they can make in their entire life, and that's the decision to follow you completely. We give you praise for all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I titled uh, this message uh, this morning, When Jesus Was Amazed. When Jesus Was Amazed, an Extraordinary Faith. When I think of stories of faith in the Bible, you probably think of some. Right off the bat, probably the first story that comes to me is Peter walking on the water. Right? Uh, faith. Yeah, he sank. Okay, whatever. But he walked on water, right? That was cool. Or how about Noah building the ark, never having seen it rain? And, you know, 100 years, he's building this ark, getting made fun of, and all of a sudden, it saves him and his family. What about Abraham? Abraham was a man of faith, traveling from his country to a country he did not know, trusting the Lord, becoming um, 
it, it, the father of descendants as numerous as the stars, trusting God for a child? Or what about Moses parting the Red Sea, getting the, uh, Israel out of Egypt? Let me name a couple more. Joshua marching around, and the people marching around Jericho. How much faith that took to do that for the week. Elijah on Mount Carmel calling down fire, believing fire is going to come down from heaven and, and consume the sacrifice. Or, of course, what about Jesus and the faith that he had in healing people? Then I think about people, normal people, <laughs> as I'll say, secular people. Uh, I, was, I was thinking, I was like, man, what are some things people uh, in life have done that have been required a lot of faith? First thing that came to my mind is parachuting. Okay, I was like, man, that, think about the first person to ever have a parachute. Well, I know who he is. I took, I took a little research. I'm going to tell you. His name was Andre Jacques Gar, I don't know how to say this, Garnerin. Um, in 1797, he was not only the inventor of the parachute, but he used it. <laughs> and he jumped out of a hydrogen balloon 3,200 feet above Paris. That, my friends took faith. <laughs> but then, there's today who have to up, one-up everybody, right? Did you know that in 2016, there was a guy that jumped out of a plane without a parachute? True story. And survived. He landed in a net. <laughs> but still, this man jumped out of a plane without a parachute. <laughs> Now, granted, he had done thousands of jumps from a parachute. He had trained a couple of years for this. But his name was Luke uh, Aikens, and he jumped 25,000 feet, falling two minutes in the air and a net. That's faith. Now, there was two times in Scripture that, the, uh, that Scripture used the word amazed to describe how Jesus felt. Jesus was amazed, amazed twice. And both times involve faith. Let me show you. The first time was a lack of faith. If you go to Mark chapter 6, verses 4 through 6, it says this. Then Jesus told them, A prophet is honored everywhere except in his hometown, and among his relatives and his own family. And because of their unbelief, he couldn't do any miracles among them except to place his hands on a few sick people and heal them. And verse 6, catch this. Verse 6 says, and he was amazed at their unbelief. The word there that, uh, is the Greek word, the dadzo, is the best way I can uh, pronounce it, the dadzo. And it, it literally means to wonder, to marvel. Uh, some versions say to be astonished. But Jesus was amazed. How is it that Jesus' own relatives, and uh, you know, Pastor talked about this uh, a few weeks ago about the town of Nazareth. It couldn't have had more than 400 people. It probably just had a couple hundred, if that. Everybody knew everybody, right? So they grew up with Jesus. And now, granted, I know they, they probably, his first miracle is a miracle at Canaan, turning the water into wine. But still, it's like they didn't believe, even his own family did not believe. Even through all the signs and the angels that came at his birth and all that stuff. Now I'm going to get a volunteer. Huh. Mr. Sloan, come on up here. Why not? You up here up front. It's your punishment for sitting on the front row. That's why I was telling uh, Darren earlier. I'm like, you sit up front, you got to help me with the, with the pulpit. So I have a bag of water. And 
I have a pencil. Yes, you do. You know what I'm going to do with this? I hope not stick it in the bag. <laughs> so what I'm going to do is I'm going to hold this bag over your head and stick this pencil in this bag okay. and get you all wet. Okay. Are you okay with that? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. <laughs> Actually, you know what? I'm not going to do it. Lacey, would you come help me? Oh, this is one of them. You can come on, um, I guess, behind them. Yeah, get on step. Okay. And actually, I'm just going to ask you to trust me that this is going to work. Okay. And that, you know, you're not going to get soaking wet, all right? So let's just see. Let's just see how this works out. Have you ever seen this before? No. Okay. And it worked. Say. All right, now I need one more person. One more person. One more person. I'm good. Anybody? Yeah, you're good. Okay. Mr. Jim, you want to come up here? <laughs> Never be second. Just make sure it works this time. All right, do you trust me that if I stick this through this bag that it's going to not get you wet? Yes. You do? Okay, yes. let's, just, let's just see. I trust Lacey. Trust. And it happened the second time. You wow. didn't get wet. Thank you. Y'all give these two volunteers a hand. Have either one of y'all seen that before? Okay. So there's a little bit of a difference between trust and faith, right? Faith is when you aren't sure that something is, can be or will happen. All right? As the Bible describes it, uh, it's being um, confident in the things that we hope for and being assured of the things that we can't see. So Mr. Sloan had to have faith that I wasn't going to get him soaking wet. He'd never seen a pencil go through a bag and not, like, explode with water and, and get water all over him, right? Now, Mr. Jim trusted me because he's seen it before, right? He just trusted. You trust whenever you sit in a chair that, that it's not going to fall out, right? I mean, the integrity of it and everything, you sit in all the time. You don't have faith. It doesn't take faith to sit in a chair. It takes trust, right? But faith. Nowadays, though, especially being in youth ministry, I mean, no, it's so easy for people to go their whole life with doubts and unbelief. Um, we're growing up in a generation of young people who don't believe necessarily in absolute truth. They don't believe that there was a God that created before all time that always existed. You know, he was just always there and he created the world and everything in it. They don't know what they believe, but whatever they believe, they think is true. They think that their beliefs and what they believe at the time is true. And the reason why a lot of young people nowadays come to church is maybe because it, they feel safe. It makes them feel good to hear a, a message. Maybe they get to hang out with friends. And these young people are oftentimes confused about their faith and about what it takes to truly surrender themselves to God. Now, yes, these teenagers, they need mentors and they need people to speak love and help keep them accountable, to teach them about respect, things like that. But I've noticed more than anything in my, in my seven years of being a youth pastor, you know, if we get together, we're going to have fun. We're going to play games. It's going to be a good time. The word's going to get taught. We're going to worship. We're going to do all those things. But more than anything, what we need is there for them to encounter God. Because once you encounter God, the Bible says, therefore, as anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, and behold, the new has come. It's not a matter of persuading somebody to follow Christ or to give their life to him. But it's a matter of encountering God and the power and the presence of who he is. 
Paul had a great uh, grasp on this as he talked to the church at Corinth, right? Kind of like our people today. And I'm sure uh, in any generation we have people like this. But I'm telling you, in this generation, like more so than what I've ever seen, obviously, I haven't been, you know, 30 years, whatever. But from what I've seen, it's just, it's, um, it's crazy the, um, how much doubt there is and how much blindness and how much um, people, uh, reluctance there is for young people to put their faith in God. And, and Paul addresses this in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 1-5. through He says, And so it was with me, brothers and sisters, when I came to you, I didn't come with eloquent words or eloquent or human wisdom as I proclaimed to you in these testimonies about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except for Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I came to you in weakness, with great fear and trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith may not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. You see, if somebody comes to God because you convince them with a good argument, once somebody convinces them otherwise, they're going to turn away from God, right? Now, it's good to have wisdom, and it's good to share and to dive deep into the, the rich things of God and the wise things of the Bible and the Word. It's good to study. But for somebody to come to Christ, it, has to be, it cannot be apart from the Holy Spirit. And it cannot come apart from the, the, the draw and the power of God. And so we as a people, I, I want to encourage you this morning to be a people of faith, to be a people of demonstration of the Spirit's power and not just wise and persuasive words. The second thing, the second uh, time that the, the Bible says that Jesus was amazed is found in Matthew chapter 8. This is one of my favorite all-time stories because when I first read through the Bible the very first time, this, I mean, this immediately stuck out to me. As I was this is one of them stories, you read it and it's like, man, like really? Like that happened? Yes, it did. It said that. And um, that's Matthew chapter 8, verses 5 through 10. This story says, when Jesus entered Capernaum, a, cent a centurion came to him asking for help. Lord, he said, my servant lies at home, paralyzed, suffering terribly. And Jesus said to him, shall I come and heal him? The centurion said, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I'm a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, he goes. I tell this one, come, he comes. I say to my servant, do this, he does it. And when Jesus heard this, he was amazed and said to those following him, truly I tell you, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great a faith. Centurion, by the way, is a, a, it was one of the leaders of the Roman army of 100 people. There were over 100 people. And so, man, he said, he said, jump. You said, how high, right? I mean, it was one of them things. Like, you listen to him. He had authority. Otherwise, man, he could probably kill you or something. At least put you in prison. But this man's faith, Jesus offered to go and heal his servant. Y'all understand that, right? As we're reading this story, Jesus is like, yeah, I'll come and heal him. And he said, no, no, no. Just say the word. Just say the word. Right here, right now, and they will be healed. And Jesus, I mean, I feel like he was like, taken back at this man, especially a Roman of all people, who said, man, this man has faith. I look at um, some of the crazy ways that Jesus healed people. 
uh, if, you, if you're familiar with some of the stories. Uh, one, one way was, remember he spit in the dirt, he rubbed mud on somebody's eyes, and they were, they were healed after that, after washing their eyes. There's one time he stuck his fingers in somebody's ears, and then spit on his uh, hand, and then uh, grabbed his tongue, and he said, like, be loose. And then they, he, was, um, he, he was mute and deaf, and at the same time, he got healed from both. Another time, this man, he had a withered hand, and God just said, stretch out your hand, and he stretched out his hands, and it was healed. Another time, he, he touched a leper. Shouldn't have done that, but he did. You weren't supposed to back then. And the leper was healed. Uh, in the case of um, when he was in the garden, remember, Peter cut off this man's ear. And then he just picked the ear up and put it back on, <laughs> whatever that looked like. <laughs> but God moved in different ways, and it took faith of the people in, in, in some of these instances to go and to watch or to go and to do what he said or to, you know, God, are you willing? Yes. And be healed. Mark 11, 20 through 25 says this. In the morning, I'm, I'm reading several stories. I want you to see several different instances. The Bible has a lot to say about faith. And uh, this morning, I want to encourage you with that, an extraordinary faith. In the morning, verse 20, as they went along, they saw the fig tree withered from the roots. And Peter remembered and said to Jesus, Rabbi, look, the fig tree you cursed has withered. Verse 22, have faith in God, Jesus answered. Truly, I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes what he say will happen, it will be done for them. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, remember this, forgive them, so that your Father in heaven may forgive your sins. Faith. What kind of faith do you have? Do you have the faith to pray like some of these people or to believe? Or has something happened in your life that has caused your faith to waver? You see, because what happens when God doesn't answer our prayers? What happens when God doesn't do what somebody said God would do and really messes you up, right? You're praying, you're praying, you're praying for deliverance, for miracles, for healing, and it doesn't come. Is Jesus amazed with our faith today? I want to talk to you just for a minute for those struggling in your faith. And I, I, I tell my teenagers this all the time, or I try to. I try to um, always make it um, uh, acceptable to ask questions and to say different things. But I say, you know what? It's okay to doubt. Especially at y'all's age. Uh, for teenagers. It's not like um, everything that I say or the Bible says, you know, for most teenagers, they question it. <laughs> you know, they don't just take it. But a lot of times, even young people who grew up in church, who have had ex camp experiences or church experiences or, you know, or living for God and bring people into the kingdom, sometimes they have doubts in their heart. And, and, and uh, they can either hold on to that and, and let it grow and continue to grow and deal with it on their own, or they can talk it out. And we can uh, share faith with each other and encourage each other in the faith and build up faith. My heart lately has been pretty heavy uh, for a few different reasons. I was thinking about the people that were affected by the storm um, this weekend and a few that lost their lives. They had no idea. It's not like they woke up today and said, yep, this storm's going to take me, right? Losing loved ones. Um, you know, last week I, I did my first 
I had to do my first funeral. And it's just a reminder, even though the lady was over 80 years old, it's a reminder that life is but a vapor, right? It's here one day, it's gone the next. This life is short. And it allows me to, it reminds me to appreciate every day. But in my prayer time and just kind of studying for this uh, message and uh, not knowing exactly which direction God was going to take me for a long time, <laughs> but um, I, felt, I felt like I needed to share about my sister a little bit. And so I want to share with, uh, I want to share with you a little bit this morning. Um, I, by the way, talking about my sister doesn't make me sad at all. I actually like talking about my sister because it uh, continues her legacy. It continues the type of person she is. So if you ever want to know about her, it's, it's really cool to talk about the memories and who she is. But um, my sister was, had man, the most beautiful like, red hair you've ever seen, I think. I mean, it was absolutely beautiful. Um, she had a smile that uh, lit up the room. She was always fun to be around. She loved adventure. Um, she, just a little bit about her. She graduated from Southeastern University. Uh, she got uh, jobs at churches and for evangelists, and she did camera work. She traveled to over 20 countries um, and loved life, loved stories. She would always say, man, tell me a story. You know, it, that was one of her things. She loved to hear stories. Uh, she was a huge encourager. But here at the age of 26 years old, her, her life took a change, uh, a turn. And I want to uh, let you in um, to this, uh, to her story a little bit. And I'm gonna read a little bit from a journal I wrote a week before she passed. And uh, this was back in 2010, and she passed on January 3rd, 2011. Um, but I, I want you to see into the life of my sister and, and see the courage and the, and the faith that she had despite what she was going on. So I'm gonna read a little bit of my journal. There's gonna be some pictures coming up here too, just so you can see a little bit who she is. <clears throat> It was spring 2010. Lacey and I had been doing things uh, the first part of the week. or It was spring break 2010. And we decided to take a trip to see Jamie, my sister, at Disney World. Jamie had been having problems for several months now, throwing up her food just about every day, and the doctors didn't know what was wrong with her. The day after Lacey and I arrived in Florida, Jamie went to the doctor, and he said Jamie had a mild form of leukemia. A week later, Jamie went to MD Anderson to get a second opinion, and by that time, it had evolved into, I think it was called AML, which is a much more serious. Jamie decided to stay in Florida for her treatments. Jamie ended up losing her hair. A couple of times, she was released to go home, only to be placed back in the hospital a few days later. A big break occurred when she found a donor to give her a bone marrow transplant. This took a couple of months to find, but from a girl her age in Europe. Unfortunately, the leukemia came back, so they did another transplant. At one point, they thought the leukemia was completely gone, but to our disappointment, it came back. Another big hit came when Jamie's liver started acting up. Her belly movement went from up to 32, a normal being 0.5 or 1.5, which causes her to very yellow. The doctors have come to the conclusion that there's nothing else science can do for Jamie. This is a few days before. In a meeting outside Jamie's room with my mom, dad, doctor, and I and the doctor, they told us that she has days to live. This is one of the worst feelings I've ever had. Jamie had been through three bone marrow transplants and leukemia has come back every time. Now her body was too weak to take another round of chemo and, and bone marrow transplant. The doctors could only give her a slight dose of chemo to prolong her life past Christmas. 
I've cried more in the past couple of weeks than I ever remember about anything. I had to question why this was happening to Jamie of all people. And why hasn't she been healed yet? We've had thousands of people praying, people who are very righteous prayer warriors. And Jamie is always mentioning that she is still believing for a miracle. Despite all my questioning, Jamie has touched and impacted multitudes of people. Everyone who has come in to see her has left more blessed than before they came in. I haven't given up hope yet, and I'm going to continue to expect a miracle to occur. As long as Jamie is breathing, I know there's still a chance. Jamie's spirit is one of a kind. She has kept a positive attitude throughout this whole process. Her faith and belief in a miracle has increased my faith in God exponentially. She's always trying to keep everyone positive and in a good mood. She tells everyone who comes to visit, I still believe God can heal me. Jesus, or Jamie has been through more pain and disappointment than I can ever fathom, yet never questions the sovereignty of God and his reasoning for all that happening. For that, she has been a hero, an inspiration to many, and continues to touch people even in the state that she's in. The whole family has been very emotional over this whole process. We haven't lost faith in God, but we are preparing for the reality that she may pass away. Mom and dad are taking it the hardest, and mom is an emotional wreck. Mom has tried to keep it together for the most part, but I can tell she's about to fall apart. I'll never forget the feeling I got when my mom looked at me and said, as a parent, you never think the day will come when you may have to bury your own daughter. My sister made it to the new year and passed away a few, a few days later. Now, my sister was the type of person that never lost faith. She's the type of person that if you walked in the hospital room, she's always had a smile on her face no matter what the, the uh, treatment she had, no matter what she went through. But still, even with everybody praying for my sister, and Jamie Gilliard was a, I believe, you talk about amazing faith, I believe that God looked down on her and saw amazing faith because she never gave up hope and she never questioned God and she was always looking to him. But yet, we did not get the result that we wanted. So my question to you today is why? And should that change your faith? Lacey and I decided to name our child after Jamie to keep, the, uh, to keep her legacy and her faith going. And I've wrestled in my time, especially at, at that time, asking the question, is God still good? Does God still work? And does he still care? Isaiah 55, 8 to 9 says this, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. See, I take comfort in knowing this. J Jamie had two options. Either she was going to be healed, or she was going to be healed. Either she was going to live, or she was going to live. And see, either way, God wins. Because she put her faith and trust in him. And even though I don't understand why, I don't understand how we have people healing, we are taking communion, anointing her oil, doing everything the word says. We still didn't see what we wanted to see. But that doesn't change the fact that God is still sovereign, 
that God is still on the throne, that he was not taken off guard, guard that he did not make a mistake. The Bible says in Psalm 34, 18, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He saves those who are crushed in spirit. I want to talk to you this morning to encourage you because some of us have lost our faith. Maybe not our faith in God, but our faith in what God can do. And our God is still powerful. He's still on the throne and he can still work and still is working. Just because he didn't work in this situation does not mean that he is not working in your situation. The Bible says to ask, to keep asking, to keep seeking, to keep knocking, and that door will be open. I think about the woman who for 12 years dealt with the issue of blood. And one day she encountered Jesus. She touched the hem of his rope and was instantly restored. 12 years. Are you praying for a family member to be saved this year? Somebody that's far away from God? Are you praying for a breakthrough in your life? Do you need a miracle to happen? I'm here today to tell you that I still stand on the faith and the word of God, on the promises of who he is, and my faith is not going to waver. As a matter of fact, when I do start to doubt, when I do start to look down on myself and say, oh, woe is me, I think about my sister and what she would say to me. Don't give up. Keep praying. Keep pressing. Keep the faith. See, some of us get so discouraged when we don't see something instantly happen. We, we, we have stopped coming down to the altar. Because you know what? People would pray for me and God didn't work through. The, the band could come on back. And so, so, we, so we don't even want prayer. You know what? You know, we won't even take the time sometimes to pray and to press in with somebody else and pray because we're like, well, that's for the pastors. God has favor on them. You know, let them pray. No, 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 no. See, I believe in 2020, God is wanting to stir up our faith. See, I believe that God is wanting us to step into an extraordinary faith. Look, we're Pentecostal church. Man, we believe in this. We believe in the healing of God. We believe in the deliverance of God. We believe that you can be a sinner far away from God, and in an instant, God, the power of God can come upon you and deliver you from your sin and, full of your, sin and your ways and create in you a, a holy and righteous and new and blameless life. It doesn't mean you're going to be perfect. It doesn't mean you're not going to mess up again. What it does mean is that you're walking under the power and anointing of God. And so for this year, my question to you is, what do you believe in God for? He's still working. We have the Holy Spirit access in our life. We are a temple of the Holy Spirit. This, this is the whole, this is what we're talking about all month and year, right? The fact that Jesus, yes, he died for our sins, but he was raised from the dead, but he had to leave. But the very person he left is alive inside of us. And the same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead is alive in us. You don't have to be a pastor. You don't have to be somebody on the board. God wants to work in you. And so this morning, I, I, I'm going to invite you down here. If you're praying for somebody to be saved, keep praying. If you're praying for a breakthrough, somebody needs a healing, Somebody needs an emotional healing, a mental healing, a physical healing, a spiritual healing. You need uh, something to break through in your finances, with your family. Whatever it is, let God work in his time. 
We may not understand it, but I can tell you what, he will re if, if we're praying the wrong things, if you continue to uh, pray after him, he will redirect your prayers. That's what the Spirit does. Amen. Would you stand with me? We got another song we want to sing tonight. And we'll dismiss here in a few minutes. But I want to open up these altars for prayer. And not just prayer. Prayers in faith. Believing this morning. Let's believe together. You may have come down for a healing a hundred times. Come down a hundred and one times. Come down a hundred and two times. Come down a hundred and five times. You know what? Because you never know when the time you come down when God is saying, thanks for being faithful. Thanks for keeping asking, keeping seeking, keeping knocking. Amen. Would you sing together with me? And I just want to invite you to come now. If you want to come, if you're believing for something, let's stand together. Amen. Let's stand together.